Good morning. Good morning to all of you. Jeannie and I are so blessed to be here. Uh, we are always so grateful. It's difficult to believe I was counting up the years. It's been 22 years since we departed from Lake Avenue. Those years have gone by so quickly, and the pastors have been so gracious to invite us back. We always love coming back. We feel like we're home, and we hope we get to greet many of you at the close of the service. It's a joy and a privilege uh, to be with you. And for those of you who have come, I just greeted a lady who said her first Sunday here was our last Sunday here. And I said to her, boy, you timed that well. That was really great. So uh, we rejoice and we give God thanks for the joy of serving him and being brothers and sisters in Christ. As Jeremy has said and as Scott mentioned in his prayer, this is a significant Sunday. Uh, It is Memorial Day weekend. And veterans, when you were standing, I want you to know how moved we were and how grateful we are. Uh, for your service and for the many who have literally given their lives so we could be living in a country with liberty. So many are not today and down through the generations. And then it's Pentecost Sunday. And Pastor uh, Greg, when he invited me to speak today, specifically asked that I speak on this theme. I told him I've been in the ministry now for over 90 years. And it's the first time... I remember being invited to a church to speak specifically on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I'm so blessed and honored to do so. Thirdly, you may not know, but this is a global day of prayer. A number of years ago in South Africa, a day of prayer was begun that spread across the continent. And so today, and now literally around the world, today there are literally hundreds of millions of Christians who are gathering in stadiums, in churches like this, and other places of meeting uh, for prayer, for the great mission of our Lord Jesus Christ around the world. And so we're grateful for that as well. Now, there's something else unusual about this day, uh, which uh, you may not be impressed at all, but I want you to know the doors are locked, so we're safe and secure here. Um. My first Sunday at Lake Avenue, the first Sunday of January in 1981, as I prepared the first message, the Holy Spirit led me very clearly to speak on the priority and the preeminence of Jesus Christ. And, of course, the text that we looked at was found in Colossians chapter 1 and chapter 2, and I ended up with 11 points. Now, I'd ask you, Who on earth would be crazy enough to preach a message your first Sunday in a new church on 11 points? I thought it may be my first and last, but you were all very gracious. Well, today it's not 11, but it's 6. And I've never done that before that I can remember. And if I I had, you would probably remember, but uh, I uh, promptly forgot. But the reason is... Pastor Greg asked me to preach on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Normally we would turn to one text and do an expository message on the one text, expand it with other texts. But today I want to do a survey of the ministry of the Holy Spirit as taught uh, in the Scriptures. And so we're going to look at six different passages. So I'd encourage you to get your Bible and be prepared. 
So, Father, we pray that as we gather today in the wonderful, loving, powerful, gracious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you would be in our midst. Lord, how sad it would be today if we would merely talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit and if we would not sense your presence in the person and the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we pray the simple prayer, would you come, O Lord? And as we review these important texts, and for some who hear it for the first time, would you speak to us and we draw us closer to you and closer to one another. We pray in the loving name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. It was a very significant time in the earthly ministry of Jesus. It was one that uh, totally caught the disciples off guard. They were not prepared for it all. It was just a few days before the arrest of Jesus that led to his trial and his crucifixion, and then the wonderful resurrection that followed. But this was a few days prior to all of that. They believed that he is the Christ. We know they believed he was the Christ because Jesus asked them one day. And uh, he first asked, "What do people? who do people say I am? And after they shared some answers, he then asked, and who do you think? Who do you think I am? And as you remember, Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one, which literally means you are the Messiah. And they not only believed that Jesus was the Messiah, they believed that he was going to overthrow the Roman Empire, overthrow Herod, and establish his kingdom upon earth. Now, we still live today with that expectation. There's a future event that some of us believe are, is getting closer and closer and closer. But the reason we know they believe that is they argued about it. And what they argued about was what, what related to them. And that was a matter of which of them was going to become greatest when Jesus established his kingdom. Who was going to sit on his right? Who was going to sit on his left? But within that context, Jesus said to them, on a given day. Brothers, I'm going to be leaving you in a few days. Could you imagine how they felt at that moment? I'm sure the first thing that came to mind, we must have misunderstood. How, how could he be leaving us? But then he continued with something that was even more extraordinary when he said, and it's going to be good for you. Now think about that a moment. These guys had literally forsaken everything to follow Jesus. They had been his not perfect disciples, but committed disciples for three years of intensive time with Jesus. And now he's saying, I'm bowing out and it's good for you that I'm leaving you. How could that be? Well, that is the message of Pentecost. He was preparing them, as we read in John chapter 14 and 15 and 16, he was preparing them for the coming of the Holy Spirit. He went on to tell them about the Holy Spirit, and we do not have time to study in depth the passage today. Most of you are familiar with it, but let me just summarize it by, by making a couple statements. The first thing he says, it's good for you 
because I will no longer live with you. I am now going to live in you. They probably couldn't have comprehended that at that moment. How is that possible? The Apostle Paul later shared his commentary by saying, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I believe Jesus went on to say, this is not word for word, this is a paraphrase of the text, I am no longer going to minister with you. I am now going to minister through you. The book of Acts records what happened. And a few weeks later, after his death and his resurrection, and spending time with him as he prepared to ascend to the Father, Dr. Luke in his commentary in the first chapter of Acts basically shared this prophetic word of Jesus. You are going to receive power. Now, these guys had the presence of Jesus, which was incredible, but they had never had very much power, as you remember. Now he said, you are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you're going to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And it came to pass. And then the day of Pentecost came and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church. Many American Christians are surprised to find out the church was not begun by a committee. I know at times those of us who have had the privilege of pastoring you think Lake Avenue has more committees than people. We just have so many committees. But this was not begun as a memorial society of Jesus. This church was born of the Holy Spirit. And then the book of Acts shares the commentary of what happened when these, when these men and women received the power of the Holy Spirit and what God did through weak vessels. One thing every one of us in co- have in common today that are in this beautiful worship center is that we are weak people. God is not impressed with our strength, with our pride, with our self-confidence, with our arrogance. He sees us as we really are. And in His presence, we are weak people who need His power, who need His strength. Paul said later, I glory in my weakness, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For when I am weak, then I am strong, not in ourselves, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's principle one of the six principles. That's longer than the rest, I want to encourage you. But it's so foundational. It's review for almost all of you. But boy, do we need to be reminded of the fact that the significance of the church, the thing that makes the church different from any human institution or any other gathering of even wonderful people, is that when we come together, we are in the presence of the living Christ. That the Holy Spirit dwells in the lives of believers, and when we come together, we worship in the presence of God. 
What a joy it's been to worship. Last night, up in the, uh, what do they call it? Oh, yeah. The what? Oh, yeah, the warehouse. That's it. I keep wanting to call it the loft, but I know that isn't right. Great time, and then a wonderful, wonderful time of worship this morning with Jeremy and the team. How we rejoice and give God thanks. Principle number one, God has given to us the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Principle number two, we need to turn to another familiar passage. This one is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You remember this wonderful instruction, the Holy Spirit using the Apostle Paul to write these words, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. What a way to live. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And then he makes this incredible statement. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Literally translated, do not quench the Spirit. I don't think there's a person in this room who would knowingly or wantingly quench the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But it is so easy to do. And it can come if we simply ignore it. As you know, the most difficult decision Jeannie and I ever have been called to make in our lives was uh, leaving this wonderful church family and becoming a denominational president, which I was not interested in doing. But as you could imagine, I don't know if I've ever reported to you, when we're obedient to Christ, it turns out to be such a blessing, and we enjoyed those years immensely, and we were blessed and honored as much as we missed you. But I would go from church to church and from nation to nation, and I was preaching somewhere almost every Sunday and going from one church to another. And we had a wonderful statement of faith. It is one that every one of you, I think, could subscribe to. It's just the basics of the Christian faith. It was wonderful. But I confess, I would go into some of our churches that had all the right doctrinal statement, crossed all the right T's, dotted all the right I's, and I would say to myself, what would ever happen if the Holy Spirit showed up here? We can go through all the motions and ignore the Holy Spirit, quench the Holy Spirit, do it in our own strength, do it in our own ability, with our own intellect, and never invite Jesus to come in the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, do not put out the Spirit's fire. The history of the first century of the church was one that spread like wildfire from one place to another, to one nation to another. It was incredible. By the time the first century had come to close, approximately 67 years after the birth of the church, virtually every nation of the world had received the gospel. There were 
hundreds of thousands, even millions of believers. And it has continued down through the history of the church. Number three, and Paul mentions that, uh, this in the second, in the first Thessalonian text that we just read. But we go to Romans 8 for this principle. And this principle is allow, even invite, the Holy Spirit to intercede for you and for others. Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Did you know that? Do we believe that? Do we live as though that is what is happening? By the way, where is Jesus today? The Scripture tells us He's at the right hand of God. Guess what He's doing? Interceding for us. So God the Son, Jesus Christ, is praying for you today in ways that we can't comprehend. God the Holy Spirit is wanting to intercede for us today. God the Father has given us these incredible resources that allow Jesus to say to the disciples He loved, it's good for you I go away because the Holy Spirit will come and live in you and minister. Jesus is present with us today in this room in the person of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss out on the incredible ministry of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for, saint, for the saints in accordance with God's will. When we come by faith to Jesus Christ, it makes such an incredible difference in our lives. Our whole perspective has changed. Up until then, we've always lived for ourselves. And James, you remember, reminds us that's a temptation as we pray, that we are the center of our prayers. I want this. I want that. I want what's, uh, a certain size, a certain color, and I always want it today. And then the Scripture comes and says, no, no, no. When we follow Jesus, it is no longer my will. It is now His will. And the Holy Spirit prays in accordance with God's will that His will would be done in our lives as Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. I'll never forget my first experience with the Holy Spirit. I was at the ripe old age of seven. It was a little town in Minnesota, just west of Minneapolis, a few miles, where my father was a pastor. We had a Youth for Christ rally in our gymnasium. We happened to live just across the street. And uh, I was seven years old. I was down in the front row with my friends doing what every pastor's son should be doing, and that was goofing off. And I was not paying attention. The guy who was preaching that night was not very impressive. He had a very heavy Swedish accent, and although my grandparents were Swedish and uh, were immigrants, uh, 
I was having difficulty understanding him, but I was not trying very hard until I experienced something totally a surprise. For the first time in my life, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. Suddenly, I was paying attention. I was listening to the Word of God. His subject was, you must be born again. And by the time he gave an invitation at the close of that message, I needed no psychology, no persuasion. I was under deep conviction. And I went forward, and that night was the turning point of my life. Christ came into my life in the person of the Holy Spirit. I was walking home with my parents, I'll never forget. Because again, it was, it was a, a joyous surprise. It was, it was indescribable. I was so filled with joy and so filled with the presence of Christ and the peace of Christ, it was though my feet were not touching the ground. I was just basking in the presence of Jesus as a seven-year-old. That's why I believe so much in children's ministry, because of what God did for me as a child and what he wants to do for other children. Now, you may not have had that experience, but if you are a follower of Jesus today, you have been born anew of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And we want to be careful that we do not put out the Spirit's fire, and we want to be careful to take advantage of all that God provides for us through the Holy Spirit. For the fourth thing, I'm going to do very briefly. We could spend many, many hours on this important subject, but let me just summarize with a few statements. And that is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, many of you know that the Scripture teaches us about spiritual gifts. Primarily in Romans chapter 12, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in Ephesians chapter 4, and in 1 Peter chapter 4. These are a couple of the principles of the gifts. God gives the gifts with variety in any way that he sees best. We do not all have all the gifts. don't want to disappoint you, but you do not have them all. You have one or more that God has given you. And he's not given us these spiritual gifts that are beyond our talents and our attributes. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit that come when the Holy Spirit is in our lives. They are given not for our self-consumption, as you know. They're given for the blessing of others and the building, edification of others and the building of the church. And Paul summarizes this in Ephesians 4 when he said the church is really the church when every member of the body of Christ is using their gifts and they are working properly to the glory of God. So Paul writes, the ear cannot say to the eye, you're of little worth. And the hand cannot say to the foot, you're of little worth. Every one of the gifts are important. Do not ignore the gifts that God has given you. Use them in the power of the Holy Spirit for His glory. And secondly, 
do not be afraid of the miraculous gifts. The American church has a phobia of fear of the miraculous. Visit the churches around the world where our missionaries serve, and you will not find that fear. It is, it is commonplace. Don't fabricate the miraculous, but don't be afraid. Allow God to give you whatever He wants to give you. Never put the Holy Spirit in a box. Never tell God what He can and cannot do. Never have a theology that restricts the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Fifth thing. I told you I was going to do that briefly. Share the fruit of the Spirit. The last passage we're going to turn to is Galatians 5. I realize these are all familiar passages to most of you, but what an important review. Paul, in this chapter, begins by talking about freedom in Christ. The Galatian Christians were struggling with legalism. So grateful we do not have that problem today. And he was talking about being free in Christ. And then he started to enumerate the works of the flesh. And it's not a pretty, pretty picture. All of us in this room are probably guilty of some of them in our past lives. And then in contrast to those things that lead to destruction, sin promises so much and delivers so little. Sin always leads to death, ultimately, and eternal death. But in contrast comes these fruit that where the Holy Spirit dwells in a life, you can tell the tree by its fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit, most of you know, begins with love and joy and peace. Let me just pause there and say, do you realize how many people would give everything they had for those three qualities of life? Ludwig Beethoven, the great conductor, once said, that he would give everything he had for one day of peace. So many others have said that in so many ways. Where there is Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit, these fruit come. You can't fabricate them. You can't buy them. You can't earn them. They only come when we submit in our weakness to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the indwelling and the control of the Holy Spirit. So how's your love life? Do your neighbors think of you as a loving person? Are we fulfilling the great commandment of our Lord Jesus to love our neighbors as we love ourselves? We cannot do that on our own strength. We can do it through the strength that Christ gives us as He dwells in us and ministers through us. Love, joy, peace, patience. Jeannie's praying for that one for me. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And by the way, there's no law against any of these things. 
These are the qualities of God. These are the qualities that we ask, what would a person look like, act like, if, if he had these fruit in their lives? And the answer is very simple and very graphic. The answer is Jesus Christ. In his earthly life and ministry, this is a description of Jesus. And as we grow by God's grace and help one another grow and use our gifts to minister to each other, we grow to become more and more like Jesus. These fruit are more and more obvious. We don't have to call attention to them. Don't ignore the fruit of the Spirit, friends. They're available to you today. If you do not have peace today, you can. Peace with God through Jesus Christ. If you have trouble loving your neighbor, allow God to help you. He will love through you. So difficult to speak about these so briefly. Let's go to our sixth and final principle. We've talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit that will guide us to truth, the truth of God's Word, the inherent truth of Jesus Christ, the incarnational truth of Christ. We've been warned that we should not put out the Spirit's fire, that we should ask the Holy Spirit to intercede for us, that we should joyfully receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God wants to give to us, and that we would share the fruit of the Spirit. If you want to influence a neighbor for Jesus Christ, allow your fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, to flow through you. But the sixth and final thing comes in the closing words of Galatians 5. It's a wonderful, wonderful passage. Uh, we find it in verses 25 and 26. Since we live by the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The New English Bible translates this passage in this way. If the Spirit is the source of your life, then allow the Spirit to direct your course. If you are bored with Christianity, try to follow Jesus. If you are not sure what you should do, try allowing the Holy Spirit to direct your course. Go to Him and ask Him to guide you. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. In one sense, we pray for revival. Some of you are praying for revival. In one sense, that's a biblical definition of revival. Revival is when God's people are keeping in step with the Spirit. Jonathan Edwards, the man who God used so tremendously in the first great awakening and the second great awakening in this nation and in other nations of the world, said that revival is the manifest presence of God. Living in the presence of God. Keeping in pace, in step with the Holy Spirit. And so I close with this question. How are you doing in keeping in touch and in step with the Spirit? Today, do you know that you are where God wants you to be, doing what God wants you to do? 
Today, are you using the gifts and the fruit and the resources that come through the gifting of the Holy Spirit? Are you in step with God? That's the bottom line question. And it's so vitally important. And let me hurriedly say, if you are not, you can be. It's not too late. We can make that decision today that we will receive all that God has for us through the Holy Spirit and that we will keep in step and pace keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith, and following Him. So, Father, that is our prayer. That is my prayer for myself, for Jeannie, for our family and loved ones. That is my prayer for this wonderful congregation. All who have gathered here today, some may be here for the first time. Some have been here for years and years. Lord, may the common denominator be that we have received Jesus Christ as our Savior, that we are committed to follow Him as Lord, and we are committed to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we commit ourselves in this closing moment of the service We commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.